Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Laura Kemp is an award-winning author. I'm so happy to have you here today, Laura. She writes about her home state in Michigan. She has a BA in creative writing where she studied under Stuart Dybeck. She's got a master's degree as well. She's written multiple fictions and poetry, which is widely published. She's a teacher, so she's got a very, very busy life. In addition to that, she does a podcast. She does an amazing Facebook group. And when she's not writing, she is a loves musical theater, hiking, swimming, reading, and performing with a Celtic band. She enjoys spending time with her family, her four children, and a menagerie of animals, dogs, hamsters, gerbils, children, four children, I think, a bunch of chickens, two horses, and I think, are we still at eight cats, Laura? No, some of those pets have moved on to greener pastures, but we still have a, a menagerie at our house for sure. Well, welcome to the Storyteller's Microphone. It is a joy to finally have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here and chat with you today. I'd like to start a little bit about one of the things that I think is very emblematic of you. You love building community. Your Facebook community is, uh, Laura, it's Kemp Camp. You say good morning and good night. And you're so, you know, if you look at your posts, you're very family oriented. Why is community so much this at the core of who you are? Well, not to get too deep, but I was, I, I would consider myself an only child because my older siblings are six years older than me. Mm-hmm. So, and then I'm very much the baby. My parents were a second marriage, a blended family. So I grew up, I think that's why I got into writing because I didn't have as much of that sense of community as I would have liked growing up because it was kind of just me on my own with my dog, my parent, you know, my parents and I hung out obviously, but my siblings were so much older that I think I always wanted maybe more community than I had grown up with. And I realized how important it was. So when, um, you know, I grew up, got a little older, you know, had started having friendships and stuff like that. It just, it filled something in me that, that had been kind of missing growing up. So I think that's why, um, I guess I always imagined growing up in one of those households with all these brothers and sisters running around and, and just something always going on. And, um, that's kind of how my house is today. I kind of have that because of the four kids and and their friends and their significant others. Um, so I've kind of have created that in my adult life that was kind of missing in my childhood. I think that's why. So, so you've created in your adult life, both at home, which is <laughs> looks fabulous all the time on Facebook, but also in your writing community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love that you've really created a spirit uh, of that. But that's a very different feel than what we get from you in your novels, which are scary and spine tingling. And I love that yeah. they're also nested in your home state around a dual murder. Uh, so talk a little bit about all of your writing. All of my writing. You mean my, my all of the above. Your, your, your series. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I've always been interested in paranormal. I've always been interested in spooky ghost stories. Um, 
So I always kind of have that going on in the background of my stories. And I think even when I branch out away from this series, I'll probably have some kind of a supernatural or mystical element going on in my books. Um, so yeah, my books are set in Michigan and they're centered around a young woman who loses her father right before she turns 12 and then her subsequent search for him 10 years later when she sees his picture in a local newspaper. So it centers around that. There are three books in the series and the third. The first one is Evening in the Yellowwood, which has a new edition that I've just released. Snow and Summer is the second in the Lannard Creek series. And then just recently released The Home for the Stars is the third. And they all follow the story of Justine, which is the young girl looking for her father. And it's set. Everybody in Michigan knows that you have your hand. Your, your map is your hand. So it's set, if I'm correct, yes, I had to turn it right up here in Presqu'ile County, which is where I didn't grow up there, but I did spend a summer there with a friend. And so I really have a, a warm, fuzzy feeling when I think of Presqu'ile. So I set my books there. Anybody familiar with Northern Michigan and Mackinac Island too will be uh, find a lot of familiar references in these books. One of my best friends from college always says, Michigan is shaped like a mitten. And then everybody does know. You tell everybody where you live, depending on the hand. Can, can be your other hand, but then you don't have anything to point with. So <laughs> you kind of go. <laughs> there you go. You can point like that. Why do you think that genre is the one that you resonate with most? Because it's a genre I would never ever yeah. read until your colleague and my colleague nola nash turned me on to it and now it, it's something i absolutely adore but it's nothing i would have ever generated or gone to as myself so why that genre for you well i'm pleased that you tried uh, the books out even though it wasn't um in your wheelhouse so to speak but i think um, my setting lends itself a lot to spookiness because I mean, we have property in Northern, it is spooky and the UP is spooky at night because there's a lot of wild critters. There's a lot of land that um, nobody has ever seen or been on because it's kind of swampy. If you've read The Marsh King's Daughter, I mean, it really is swampy up there. People can't get in and out. So I think just the state itself, a lot of old lighthouses, you know, a lot of shipwrecks, a lot of ghostly stories along the, the shoreline of Michigan it lends itself to spookiness. So I think that's one of the reasons why I started, but my, my book is also, I kind of consider it has a lot of different elements in it too, besides the spook factor. It also has a romance. It has mystery that goes back to that murder that took place in that town, just uh, not very far from where I live. Um, it also has some humor. So it's kind of, I think it's all that stuff kind of blended in. So it's not just so spooky that you're not going to be able to turn, you know, your lights off at night. Although some of my readers have said they don't like to turn their lights off after they read my <laughs> books. But um, yeah, I think just um, the supernatural element, the, the shamanism, the heavy Native American cultures um, kind of just lends itself to that mystical feel that we have in my home state. So yeah, I think that's probably why. Well, I think that that's one of the things that surprised me about your genre, that there are these, and not just your genre generically, your particular writing, you fall into the whole story. It's like down it's the rabbit more, hole kind of thing. You, 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 you do, you go, you go down the rabbit hole. It's all quite believable and, and very comfortable at the same time as you're going, ooh, 
<laughs> yeah, it's weird how you can get really sucked into these fantastical things happening to my heroine. And then it just becomes almost normal. Like, oh, that kid just did this very weird thing and it's just normal. So I, I take that as a compliment when people say that they completely buy into the story because it really is a lot of fantastical things happen. So I'm glad that I wrote it in a way that is somewhat believable, even as these wild things are going on to her or happening to her. So why do you write in a series? I'm always fascinated by that as well. Well, I, I didn't plan on Evening in the Yellowwood being the first in a series, but my publishing house at the time encouraged me to continue the story. And I had had such a difficult time letting go of these characters when I when I finished the story. I actually cried because I'm mm -hmm. like, what happens to them? What's what's going to happen to them? And I just I wanted <laughs> to continue their story so badly. And then the people who had read the book also wanted to know what happened after the story ended, that it just was kind of a natural progression. It is difficult to write a series sometimes because I'm in the third book having to remember something that I wrote two books ago so that it makes sense. So you, you always have these strings attached that you don't want to mess the storyline up. So it's a big responsibility too, especially with the sequel to make it as good as the first. So it's challenging, but I love that these, that my uh, readers can continue to go on this uh, journey with these characters and find out more about their lives as they mature and grow. So now some authors really are, you know, super plotters and they have color coded notes and Oh, I know. <laughs> so is that you or how do you write? Well, you would think being a Virgo, right, which we were just talking about <laughs> yes. and a teacher that I would have everything, but I don't. My creative life is so so different than than the rest of my life, even how I run my house. I'm very organized in the house and we have a color-coded calendar with every, but in writing, I, I just am a pantster because I think I have an idea how the books are going to begin and end. And I have a few plot points in between, but I don't stick too heavily to an outline because once I start writing, something takes over that is almost beyond me to be mystical, spiritual, the muse. And I don't want to bog it down by going, Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got to look at my outline. Cause I like to follow wherever that voice tells me to go. And, and if it's just a wild goose chase and it's wacky, I can always just take it out in editing when I edit. And I've done that, but really nine times out of 10, I don't have to take anything out because it, I feel like the stories and the character kind of tell me what they want to hear. And I just, I just kind of conduit of what's coming to me. So I don't- It really I, is funny, isn't it? How so, mon <laughs> so many authors that we talk to we really do feel like we're channeling a story. Yeah. And I, I find that amazing. So how do you keep the various big pieces straight? Or do you just remember those all so that you don't make a mistake that they had blue eyes in the last book and now their eyes are hazel? Yeah, I'm detail oriented. So I think, I don't know if I keep a chart, but I do keep it locked away in my mind. And I read my story so much over and over and over. And I write a little and I edit and I write a little and I edit that I think it just gets locked in there. And then of course, when I go through and do an edit, I keep track of stuff like that. My beta readers, you know, have caught stuff like the other, when I did a story about the Mackinac Bridge, I had the toll booth on the wrong side of the bridge and somebody caught that. So I was 
like, oh, thank goodness, because that was a detail that had slipped my mind. So other people reading it also helped me keep track, those beta readers before it goes, you know, actually is published. I so, love that you use beta readers. I do as well. And I just got to be a beta reader for a friend of mine. And it's a different way we listen and or mm -hmm. process the story. And at, at one point uh, I was reading and she was wearing this beautiful silver necklace. And then when she went to bed, she took off the gold chain. And I just, you know, those are the kinds of things that you don't always catch in your own writing. But yeah. I personally really love doing that uh, sort of editorial piece as well. Yeah, it's a great honor, isn't it, when somebody asks you to read their work. I just wish I wasn't so busy or I would do more of that. I just don't always have the time. But when I do have the time, I really enjoy doing that for other people, too. Well, let's talk about how busy you are. You're a full-time teacher. You're a mother of four. You live on a small farm and you're a prolific and award-winning author. How do you do it? I don't know. Maybe it's that color-coded <laughs> calendar. <laughs> color calendar. Um, I'm pretty organized. I think that's probably what I'm almost, I have a hard time relaxing and just sitting down and watching TV. So I think I'm always kind of thinking of a way to get ahead and I'm a big list maker. I get it in the morning and make my lists and then I just cross them all off. That's kind of the way that I keep things organized. Um, other than that, I think it's just my Vir the Virgo in me that likes kind of to be busy and likes to have things to do. I'm goal, goal oriented. So I think my personality helps a little bit with that. And I, I, I do try to take things off my plate when it's too much because I don't like to say yes and then not be able to do something. So I'm getting a little better at that too. I think that's a real balancing act that everybody today does but i i really think you know as a woman uh, that's just one of our biggest challenges we we in my opinion we come to this world with a whole different set of challenges both you know family friend professional and uh, it seems like you do quite a bit of it so tell me how you may be evolving yourself as an author. I think that I read someplace that you're really moving in a new direction and maybe even want to influence your readers a little bit differently. Can you talk about that? Well, I noticed a big difference in my writing from book one to book three of the Lantern Creek series. So that was really nice to see. I don't want to be going in the other direction. Um, so yeah, I noticed um, that I do feel like I'm growing and maturing as an author and I am branching out into some historical fiction, which is actually up for a Claymore Award at the Killer Nashville Festival, which is coming up. Wonderful. I have to look at my calendar. In two weeks, I'll be going down to Nashville, be hanging out with Nola. Oh, wonderful. And for the first time, we've never met in person. So, and we're going to um, meet up with Terry Shepard, which is another friend of mine. And um, so, yeah, this, this historical fiction that is not completed, which is one of the cool things about the Claymore Award, you can, you can submit unfinished manuscripts which is nice because how many unfinished manuscripts do authors have lying? I mean, we have tons of them, my goodness. So I was able to submit it. Not all I, of us have tons of them. <laughs> Not all of us have tons of them. You have tons of them. Well, I don't know. I feel like I start things and I don't always finish. But this one is, it was, it was nice to be able to submit this unfinished manuscript and actually have it um, go up for the best historical um, fiction award. It's, it's kind of a westward expansion, a woman, you know, fleeing her abusive husband and she gets on a wagon train which has always been being a teacher um one of my favorite parts of american history is westward expansion so i get to indulge that in the story 
And, you know, and my father recently passed away. And I think that I may even dip my toe into some stories about dad, a memoir type thing, because I, I post on my Facebook page vignettes about my father. And he was such a interesting man. And I almost feel like he lives on when I introduce other people to him and they, they will comment that they feel like they know him. So that might be a direction I go into is writing some stories down about my dad. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry for that loss. And I, I love when you post on your Facebook page stories about your dad, because, you. Uh, you know, they are just irreplaceable and they do live on with us um, mm -hmm. in their stories. You know, there's an expression that people in the Jewish tradition use that is, um, may their name be a blessing, I think is how the mm -hmm. saying goes. And just the idea that when you say their name out loud, it is a blessing. I like that. Yeah, that's definitely how I feel and how I would like to. And it comes easily to me because, I mean, the stories are already there. I don't have to sit down and try to plot something. It's, it's the story of our life together. So it's already fully formed in my mind. So it's something. And, and we just learned that you're not really a big plotter, anyways. So. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so it works well with me. <laughs> it works really well with you. Um, you were um, studied a little bit on, well, not a little bit. He was a mentor to you, Stuart Dybeck. For those people who don't know who he is, he's now, I think he turns 80 this year. So I tell think. us a little bit about Stu Dybeck. Well, he's a short story writer centered in um, Chicago. I believe he's won multiple awards. Um, he had a MacArthur Fellowship. He was good buddies with Jim Harrison, who wrote Legends of the Fall. Um, and he was also my professor at Western Michigan. He originates out of Northwestern University. And once in a great while, he would take on a class at Western. I think maybe once every year or two, he would teach a night class. And I was just fortunate enough to get that night class. I think there were 10 of us in the class, um, like nine to 10 o'clock at night. Um, he was a cool, I didn't know who he was at the time when I, when I, realized I was in his class, but boy, was he, uh, he was very laid back, very encouraging. Never in a million years would you know that he was as decorated or as, you know, acclaimed as all the things that I really like in just a person in general, very humble. And um, when I did submit my first short story to him, I was nervous because I knew at that point what he had done in his own career. And so I was very nervous when I when I got my first short story back from him and he had written his comments on the back and some things that he liked and some things that I should change. And then at the very bottom of his critique, he said, in short, the talent here is obvious. And that was my, that was my ding ding aha moment as a writer where sure I'm taking creative writing classes. Sure. My mom likes my work. So my, but that was my moment when I was like, okay, maybe I can actually do this. Maybe I've got something that, and it really encouraged me to kind of put my best foot forward and really dig into the writing thing. So I think I have Stu to thank, thank for that. And he was super cool. His final exam, this is what a, what a cool professor he was, was come to Bell's, which is a local brewery. Okay. And bring some poetry and we'll read a poem and you'll get an A on your final exam. So we all hung out at the brewery together and read poetry and everybody who showed up got an A. <laughs> I love that. 
it just doesn't get any better than that. And, you know, we kept in touch after college. He would he would pop every so often and help me and give me advice. And he's just one of those people that holds a really, really special place in my heart. So check out his stuff if you haven't. He's a phenomenal short story writer. Well, Laura, thank you so much. The time on the storytellers always goes so quickly. I, I loved having you. I hope you'll come back because I know that you'll continue to write amazing pieces. Fingers crossed for your award coming up in a thank couple of weeks. And uh, tell people where they can find you. Well, I am on Amazon. In fact, I hold up the latest book, A Home for the Stars. That's Beautiful. the third in the series. Um, you can also find me, I believe, on Ingram. I just re recently put books up there. Um, you can get on my website, which is laurakempbooks.com. And you can always follow me on Facebook on Kemp Camp, which is that really fun kind of campy community that I've created. So I always love to have new people around the campfire. We have lots of fun. Thank you for having me. Laura, thank you so much. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with us. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.